on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. The new Omicron variant caused a frenzy. B11529, that's the name of the new variant of COVID-19 first detected in South Africa. But there's much more we've yet to learn about it. Two cases of the newly identified variant of coronavirus have now been identified here in the United Kingdom. In just the last hour or so, both Germany and Italy confirming they too now have cases of Omicron. But there's no need to panic. Because today on the Indo-Daily, we'll tell you what you need to know about the strain and advice on how to ensure you're not overwhelmed by COVID anxiety. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today I'll be talking to Aoife MacLyset, Professor in Genetics in Trinity College, Dublin, and member of the Independent Scientific Advocacy Group, and Vincent McDarby, psychologist and president-elect of the Psychological Society of Ireland. Aoife MacLyset, what do we know now about this variant kind of a few days on after its its dramatic emergence? Are we are we any clearer on, on its components, really? Not a whole lot, because, um, you know, to get more information, it does take time. It's in terms of it's it's a watchful waiting in terms of what we know. We know for sure that it has a lot of changes in the sequence, so a lot of mutations. What, um, you know, and some of the changes, they are in parts, you know, we're getting to know more about um, the virus, of course, over the last almost two years now. And, you know, we kind of know a certain amount about there being parts of the spike protein, for example, that are important for binding when an infection is established, binding to the human um, proteins on our cells. And some of the changes are near those. So some of them, they have this... Um, you know, uh, like a guilt by association, if you like. We don't know for sure yet what the effects are, but they're happening in parts of the sequence that we have, you know, reasons to believe is important. So it might cause important changes. So that's one thing we know. The other thing that people care about is, you know, how transmissible is this and how does it manifest in terms of the way it causes disease? So it's, you know, so we're lucky that South Africa, we're doing such good genomic surveillance. And of course, we have to point out, as everybody has been, you know, the, you know, these things don't emerge in the countries where there's good surveillance. They get detected in the countries where there's good surveillance. So they have been looking at this and they've noticed, you know, they have a background of Delta. So Delta has been their um, same as here, you know, Delta has been what's been spreading through their population there. And on that background, they saw this new one, Omicron, increasing. So you have a couple of 
reasons or a couple of plausible explanations for why it would increase. So one of them is that it is inherently more transmissible, this famous or not number. Um, another possibility is that maybe a bit of bad luck in terms of some super spreader events. You know, it just happened. There was a super spreader event and this happened to be the one that was in the room. So it's the one that increased. Um, and another possible reason is that it can evade um, the previous immunity that was established against Delta and the other predecessors. And it's that last explanation that is the one that people think is most likely at the moment. And that it is not that it's not that it's inherently better at transmitting, but it can evade that bit of it. It can it's better at evading the previous immunity. It doesn't mean the previous immunity is nothing. It doesn't mean it's all gone, but it just gives it that edge over Delta. And that's why it is increasing more. So we don't know that for sure yet, but that is what is, um, let's say, the favoured hypothesis at the moment. I think we should be presuming it's here already um, be, and we should act accordingly and um, because there's no real reason to think it isn't here already. But we could we would also be um, justified in in expecting that it's at very low numbers here, you know, that it's you know, it's it's it isn't out of control here. It's we should presume it's here, but it hasn't overwhelmed anything yet. What can we do? So at this point to to tackle the spread of of this new variant, Omicron, we we can't stop it from getting here. But what can we do to to kind of limit its impact? Well, I mean, so some of it, it's same old, same old. But I think we should be trying to stop it from getting here more. Right? It's probably here already. But, you know, if we don't want to get overwhelmed with it, we should be trying to keep the numbers low. And, um, you know, so one thing that there should be no objection to is much more testing of people who are traveling. So we've been accepting um, just vaccination until now. I think we should have testing as well and testing after people arrive and, you know, um, some kind of follow up. Um, and um, I would say at the least we should be asking for people to quarantine at home, to isolate at home. Um, I think if we're really serious about it, we should be talking about, you know, management of uh, international travel. I think that's probably unlikely to happen. But also we need to be trying to get the cases down in our country as it stands. Right. So at the moment we have a huge caseload. So even if, let's just say, um, we asked our public health units, we said to them today, we're really worried about Omicron. We really want you to do uh, all souped up track and trace of Omicron. Well, basically, it's almost you're asking them to do the impossible because they're overwhelmed with Delta anyway. And by the time they know something is Omicron or Delta, um, they just don't, you, you can't find the Omicron among the Delta until it becomes a huge number. So in a sense, what we need to do is the same as what we should have been doing in general, which is trying to get our, our numbers right, right down, um, no matter the variant. There's a few things we're just not doing right at the moment, unfortunately. So, I mean, one of the things we've said it so many times, but, you know, a proper mask mandate of high quality masks, not just uh, face covering, which is a is a vague description. I think we should be saying, you know, the the FFP2 quality, or, the, or otherwise known as N95. You know, these kind of slightly more heavy duty paper card ones, which um, are much better at and actually 
stopping the aerosol particles. So they will prevent you exhaling them into the room and they will prevent you inhaling them or at least really, really reduce that. So that's going to bring things right down. I think we need ventilation standards and air quality standards. I really wish we were we had um, good ventilation standards like we see in some other countries. I find Japan to be an interesting example. They had a big uh, peak in cases around the time of the Olympics. You know, it's not like they've been unscathed. They have had a big problem and they've dealt with it. They've got their cases down really low. Um, last time I looked, it was around about one in a million per, you know, per population. And they've done that with really diligent mask use. Um, and they've also got, they've got other things going on. You know, they've got good vaccine uptake, but they have... Um, they basically, uh, for hospitality venues, they had to be certified as safe to open, which was based on the ventilation and air quality. Um, you know, the, the venues had to um, get their ventilation um, and or mechanical filtra filtration um, certified and measured. And if they were up to spec, they were allowed open. And um, a lot of places are going a step further and they're displaying their ventilation status in their window. So before you go in, you can know this is a, this is a place where I can actually go in and relax and enjoy myself. But we also need um, to better resource the public health. So at the moment, our testing system is oversaturated. We cannot test everybody who wants to be tested um, as quickly as they would like to be tested. And so that means we're missing a lot as well. And so we're missing the opportunities to recognize, identify cases, and then hopefully stop the onward spread. But it does boil down to somewhat the same in the which is good news. You know, we know what we should be doing and those things are all doable and accessible, but um, it does come down to a lot of the same measures. What about a, a, a a catch-all vaccine. I mean, vaccines to date focus on individual strains. At what point are we going to get to where we have a vaccine that covers everything, no matter what the, the, the strain, the spike, the variant is, we have a vaccine that covers it? So uh, vaccine development is in my area of expertise, but um, you will hear people talking about what they call a multivalent vaccine. So basically that instead of it being designed against one of the um, variants, so the vaccines we have at the moment are designed against the original, but you could have one that's maybe a bit more like a cocktail that has multiple um, uh, variants in the vaccine and that would expose your immune system to a bit more variety so that um, you would have you know, a bit more diversity in your immune response there. Those need to be go through the approval process and all of that kind of thing. It would never be a catch all in the sense that um, there's always a chance that something new comes along, but you would hope that um, you can somewhat keep pace with it. Like if you consider the, um, the flu vaccine, for example, the reason we need a new flu vaccine every year is because flu is changing every year. Are, are you of the view that we are heading for further restrictions or indeed a lockdown this side of Christmas? Or are you more optimistic about this, the, the present situation? It's really hard to tell. I think the thing that will um, make a difference is the hospital situation. This seems to be the, the thing that makes the government have to really uh, 
kick in the emergency break, which is the lockdown. I think at the moment they're doing what I might characterize as a soft lockdown. They haven't closed things, but they've really discouraged people from going. And you'll see, like we've all heard the reports of lots of cancellations in restaurants and parties and all of these kind of things. The boosters are helping in terms of hospitalizations, it seems. So that's a bit of good news. Um, I don't think if I had, I mean, I don't think we'll have a lockdown this side of Christmas. I really hope we won't. I don't, it doesn't look like we will. I think the boosters are probably helping enough at this point. Vincent, is there such a thing as COVID anxiety? Well, well, there's there's anxiety. We can have anxiety over over practically anything, you know, a little different from person to person. But there's a huge amount of people, understandably, that you know have anxiety in relation to COVID. Um, but I mean, it's important not to not to pathologize it. You know, it's you know for most people, it's a normal reaction to what's really an abnormal situation, what which we've been going through for the past, through for the past what eighteen months, two years. How does it manifest itself then? Um, well, I suppose anxiety, you know, it, it manifests itself differently in different people, you know, but one of the things you'd often see, you know, outside of the, the obvious physical sensations that we see, you know, in relation to anxiety, you know, you know, heart rate and blood pressure, those sort of things, often people will start to withdraw from things that are the source of anxiety, you know, so they might limit their context in terms of socialising, um, going to work, going to meet with friends, things like that. I suppose one thing that happens, you know, when, when any of us, when we when we experience kind of, you know, significant stress or trauma, trauma our, our normal reaction is to make our world small, safe and predictable. And what I mean by that is we may decide, okay, maybe not kind of leave our house because that's nice and safe. Okay, so we may stop socialising or going to work or things like that. Or we can make our world even smaller by staying in our room or even smaller by staying in our bed. And what happens is, as we kind of start to, you know, feel better and overcome the stress of the trauma, we start to make our world bigger again. You don't go back to socialise and work and things like that. Um, now, occasionally people sometimes have difficulty at that step making their world bigger again, and sometimes they need a little bit of help from, you know, someone like like myself or like, like friends and family and that. And I suppose we've had the really unusual situation um, in terms of the pandemic is that we've had the government making us to make our world small, telling us to, to stay at home, don't go to work, don't go to school, don't meet your friends, and over a prolonged period of time. And what happened was when it came time for people to kind of get back out into the world again, you know, socialise and things like that, some people had difficulty with that. And that was the anxiety about, okay, going back out to meeting friends and family and going to work. And some people actually didn't make that step. So you have some people out there that are still very wary about socialising and meeting with friends again, they're kind of going, yeah, my friends are going out, but maybe next week. And that that's that's really anxiety there, do you know? And what's interesting is, particularly in children, we would have saw that as, as well in children. If you look at um, the lockdown in children, you know, so we had, you know, the pandemic started in, in March 2020, and they essentially had no school until uh, September 2020. Then they went back, then there was a period of school, then they were off again for another two months, then they went back. So they, they had kind of periods of school and then long periods of kind of lockdown again. And what we, know, what we noticed is at the points at which children went back to school, there was a significant increase in reported anxiety from children saying, oh, I, I'm not sure about going back and what if I don't want to know my friends. And again, it was kind of leaving that safe world. Um, and what happened though, with most children, two or three days back into school, they were actually fine. They just settled into it again. What's different with adults is there wasn't one point at which, which we all went back to work. It differed from, from person to person. And some people decided not to. They decided, maybe I'll just stay working at home. Maybe I won't kind of social, socialize with my friends. And again, that was kind of anxiety. And that was the, the anxiety kind of controlling their behavior. So cocooning, self-isolation, working from home, 
it all, in in some ways, almost reassured people that they were doing the right thing by withdrawing and making their world smaller. But then once you try and reopen that, they they immediately find they themselves are the ones who are imposing these restrictions on themselves. Yeah, well, well, they they feel very safe, you know. So particularly for people who might have had, you know, you know, some anxiety before that, you know, making your world kind of small and not seeing your friends. I may not have liked it, but I actually felt safe and I felt comfortable. And it's all of a sudden then when I have to make myself my my world big again that I feel kind of a little nervous about it. So I, I kind of self-impose some of those same restrictions on myself. And then we we find with this uh, this pandemic, the goalposts keep shifting. So last week we're looking at, okay, there are restrictions in place. We're in the middle of a surge. The Delta variant is still prevalent. We're, we're looking ahead at, at Christmas, whether uh, what, what shape and form that comes in. And then the Omicron variant suddenly uh, arrives on the scene. Does that does that add to the people's anxiety or do they, do they, are people who are feeling anxious feeling that, well, look, this is just another element of things that are making me anxious already? Well, it, 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 for, for a lot of people, it tends to add to anxiety because it's the uncertainty. And at its core, what anxiety is, it's, it's a reaction to, uh, to uncertainty. And like I said, we've had these continually shifting goalposts, you know. So, you know, initially it was, okay, wait till we get a vaccine. You know, once we got a vaccine, then it was, wait till we get, you know, so many people vaccinated. Well, then we make, make sure we get everyone doubly vaccinated and the booster. So these these ever kind of moving goalposts was more and more uncertainty. And it's when we when we have the uncertainty that we feel anxious because the, the anxiety is this reaction to the uncertainty. So what happened, you know, recently on Friday when there's the, the announcement of the new variant, all of a sudden it throws uncertainty back into the mix. There was a little bit of a kind of plan for going forward. It seems like, okay, we're kind of coming out of it. We're getting, you know, starting to get back to normal. And all of a sudden there's this fear, are we going back to square one again? What, what, what's happened? There's huge uncertainty there. Is is COVID anxiety is is it a, is a is it a collective sentiment in that people feed off each other or or they they feel that other people are worried and therefore they become anxious or is it the individual themselves uh, just experiencing this this feeling this, this sentiment because of what's happening around them. There's a bit of both, you know, anxiety is, is, there's a personal element too as well, but there's also a collective element when we're dealing with something that, that that's affecting populations as a whole, you know. And we all have experience of, you know, talking to you know, something that we're not hugely worried about and we talk to a friend and all of a sudden we start to become a little bit more worried, a little bit more panicked about it because particularly if they're, they're focusing on the negative. So, you know, at the moment, you know, we're very much so um, bombarded from the news media, you know, in, in relation to kind of uh, aspects of COVID. So it can, it can, it can kind of instill a sense sense of anxiety and even you know on Friday when there was the announcement of the new variant it was all doom and gloom you know but the the media seems to shift slightly over two or three two two or three days and it seems to be kind of less like the sky is falling and um, but but those that that kind of uh, I suppose societal reaction to anxiety is going to exacerbate any in individual anxiety that a person will have in relation to COVID. So Vincent, are, are there tips then for dealing with, with COVID anxiety? And presumably part of that is not shrinking in upon your own your own world. And yeah, yeah. And I think the, the first thing to is to is to normalize it, to, to acknowledge that it actually is normal to feel anxious in, 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 in this situation, given what we're going through and everything that's going on around us. You know, one of the most important things, like you were saying in terms of anxiety, is to try, you know, as much as possible and not let it control you. Do you know? So if we're you know, if we're making decisions to make significant changes in our day-to-day -day function as a result of trying to mitigate 
mitigate anxiety, like, okay, I'm not going to go to the shops or I'm not going to meet my friends or I'm going to stay at home. They're not good because it tends to generalize. You know, once we do it today, it gets hard. You know, if I decide today I'm not going to go out and meet my friends, it's harder to do it tomorrow. So so the key thing is really trying to keep yourself out there, keep, you know, keep keep engaged. Um, you know, try and, you know, maintain social context as much as possible, you know, and, and, and you know, with, with any issues and keep, keep yourself active, keep yourself moving, keep yourself fit. And are you a, a fan of switching off all social media, radio and TV all around you when when uh, coverage is, is reaching, a, reaching a peak, such as we, as we had on, on Friday and Saturday, for, for example? Or can, can keeping informed actually let people think that, okay, this, this situation is under control? Absolutely, it's good to shut off. But some people, some people's anxiety is increased by getting more information. Some people's anxiety is decreased by getting more information. It differs from person to person. So you, you'll know yourself if you're the sort of person that finds actually finding out more information about a new variant actually, you know, gives reduces my anxiety or it increases increases my anxiety. But it is important to get time out, you know, because there is so much, you know, talk about COVID and everywhere. You know, it's very hard to to escape it. I mean. You know, in, in terms of chit-chat, we're great for talking about the weather, but what's taken over now is, is COVID. You know, so if I start making chit-chat with someone I don't know, the obvious time, topic of conversation is COVID. So it's, it's good to take time out, whether that's read a book, watch television, go for a walk, whatever it is. I'm Fionn Sheehan, and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from independent.ie, the BBC, RTE and NBC. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts.